Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science. And periodically, some really interesting, at least I hope so, off-topic episodes. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is season three, episode number 40. And today is Monday, March 13th, 2023. Today's episode brought to you by Rise and Dine in Chesterland. They're open today. They're closed tomorrow, Tuesday. In fact, I know an awful lot of places these days of the eatery varieties that are closed on Tuesdays for a variety of reasons. Tends to be the slowest day. And also a lot of places are looking for workers. So, hey, if you're looking for work... There are an awful lot of these great diners that are looking for your help, too. So keep that in mind. At any rate, Rise and Dine in Chesterland, great place to grab breakfast, brunch, or lunch open 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And if you're wondering where exactly it is, you go to the corner of 306 and 322. That's Chillicothe Road and Mayfield Road. Locate the CVS on the southeast corner and go into the plaza just to the south of the CVS. You're going to find Risendine right there. They have a phenomenal menu that is certainly to live for. See, I, I always am of the persuasion, you don't die for food, you live for food. So when I use that expression, I say, it's food to live for, and it really is. This past weekend, when my son and I were there, I uh, had the waffle. He does not take eggs. He likes country fried steak, no eggs with home fried potatoes. And then he usually orders either rye toast or raisin toast. I take his eggs if I do the waffle. And that's what I did this week. I did it in a waffle. I took his eggs and added some chicken sausage. They've got a great chicken sausage. If you're not into regular sausage or you have a diet, that tends to be a little leaner. The chicken sausage, they're really good. Go check it out sometime. They're waiting for you Wednesday through Monday, 6 to 2 p.m. in Chesterland, and it's worth a drive. And if you're in Geauga County and you've never been there before, well, what are you waiting for? Let's meet up there sometime. Rise and dine, Chesterland. Okay, it's Meteorological Monday, and we will be talking a little bit about the weather. In fact, why don't I do that now? Because I have a listener call from way back, actually from January the 19th that I'm going to share. And it has to do with meteorology. So it's right in line with what I like to do 
on Mondays. But that call is coming up in just a second. But we find ourselves in a wintry pattern, at least in the front half of this week. Now, we're starting to get later and later into March, so it's tough to keep the atmosphere down in terms of temperature. And so at the end of this week, we'll get a little variety. And towards St. Patrick's Day itself, we'll actually be pretty toasty. Not super toasty, but certainly a lot better than it is right now. We're below normal by quite a bit, and we'll stay that way for the next couple of days. And also on top of that, we'll get some lake effect snow. Now, it's unusual to get lake effect snow in the springtime, especially in February and March. The reason is typically there's usually a decent amount of ice on the lake, and that inhibits Lake effect, number one. Number two, the lake water temperature is typically very cold, 33, 34, 35 max. And you have to have a lot of cold air and a differential of at least, oh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit to get a decent amount of lake effect. Well, this year, there just hasn't been a lot of ice on the lake and Lake water temperatures are averaging anywhere between 35, even as high as 40. And so all you need is some air that's in the 20s to start generating some lake-enhanced snow showers, which we'll definitely see over the next 48 hours. But also, if the air gets cold enough, and it may do that, we might actually see some pure lake effect. How about that? In March really unusual. So we are in a cold pattern right now. For those of you who are listening to Weather Jazz from the Ohio Valley, in particular from Northeast Ohio, and that does include those of you in Northwest Pennsylvania and Western New York. And the ski season for some of these ski areas like Holiday Valley will be extended. Now, Alpine Valley in Northeast Ohio had its last weekend open this past weekend. So now they're closed for the season. Brandywine has had a tough time staying open um, just because of where they are and the shape and the direction of the slopes. But Boston Mills has had a slightly better opportunity to keep a lot of snow on the slopes. It'll be interesting to see if they try to squeak out a few more days or perhaps a weekend by the end of this week, though, obviously with temperatures in the 50s, uh, that uh, they may lose some of their snowpack. Now, snow trails, same story. They're a little farther south, but they're up in the high ground of near Mansfield area, near Possum Run Road. And hopefully they'll be able to squeak out a little bit more, too, with this pattern. We'll wait and see on that. But Suffice to say, the snow showers will be in the air and will be accumulating probably to the tune of two to four inches in the snow belt of northeast Ohio and the high ground areas, Lake Geauga, Ashtabula County, and perhaps even a little bit more closer to four to seven inches of snow from Erie, Pennsylvania into the western areas of New York. So if you're a skier and you want to squeak another weekend out, keep an eye, especially on places like uh, snow trails and peak and peak. And overall, the 6 to 10 day and 8 to 14 day outlooks continue to support the average temperature being colder than normal, not only here, but 
literally across the entire country, about the only sliver I see where temperatures might go a little above normal would be down east Maine. That's it. The rest of the country pretty much below normal. We'll keep an eye on that as we move deeper and deeper into March. All right, let's get to that call right now. This call comes from John. He lives in Cleveland, and he asked a really interesting question back in mid-January. On January the 19th, he left this message for me. So it just goes to show you that if you call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line and leave me a suggestion or a question, and if you don't hear from me immediately, hang on, because at the right moment, I'm going to put that in. And so today is John's day to shine. John, I hope you're listening. Let's take a listen to his question. Hey, first off, love your show. My name is John. I am in Cleveland, Ohio, in the Slavic Village area. Love watching you on the weathercast, too, on TV8 there. I was wondering, I've learned so much from you, like about telescopes and all kinds of cool stuff. Just love this show. I have a little uh, Latvia personal weather station, and I was wondering if maybe you might do an episode on personal weather stations. Which ones are good? Which ones work with Mac? Which ones work with Windows? Which ones work with uh, Linux? I'd be really fascinated to hear what your take is on that, sir. Thank you, and keep up the great show. Have a great day. What a great question, and uh, I don't think I've ever really entertained that question before. It's a good one. You see, even if you're a casual observer of the weather, it's always great to have good equipment or at least decent equipment to keep track of, at the very least, the temperature. Barometer is another element which is fun to keep track of. But let's take a look at these home instrument packages that are available for the consumer. Now, the one John has, very, very decent. There are a lot of really decent ones that you can get even in places like hardware stores or Costco or BJ's. In fact, we have on our wall for casual observation a lacrosse technology digital clock with two temperatures, one for indoors and one for outdoors. The outdoor one is obviously a wireless sensor, and uh, typically you keep it somewhat close to where the unit would be, but it does a great, great job. We like it for just casual observation. But if you're into meteorology and you're looking for something maybe a little beefier, you can find those too many times at some of those places that I mentioned, like the hardware store or like a garden center or Costco. Rainwise would be one of those units. They are certainly very, very good. They have barometer, thermometer combinations, very colorful ones, very attractive ones. It's all in what you're looking for. But if you're looking to up the game even more in terms of weather observation, something that will keep track of the weather and maybe even use your home computer to upload it to places like Weather Underground, for instance, that the whole world can keep track of your observation with a click of a button. So how do you do that? What do I recommend? There are two systems that I can recommend because I have them both. 
The first is the Vantage View Pro 2. Vantage View Pro 2. Why do I like that one? Well, first of all, it has virtually every weather parameter available. You've got your wind speed, wind direction, you've got your barometer, you've got your indoor temperature too if you want. You have dew point. To me, dew point, very, very important. Much more important than relative humidity. Maybe uh, in a future meteorological Monday, we'll discuss the difference between relative humidity and dew point. Uh, I think more people are understanding what that's all about. But when I first came to Cleveland 30, almost 35 years ago now, people did not understand the difference between dew point and relative humidity. It was through repeated use of dew point and explanation that suddenly things started turning around. Maybe about uh, 10 or 15 years ago, most people understood dew point really for the first time. And instead of asking for the summertime relative humidity, which is really not that great of an indicator for summer comfort, you look at dew point. And they were asking me, well, what's the dew point today? It's about time. And maybe that's a, an episode for a future meteorological Monday. Let me know what you think. Should I do one on that? At any rate, you have all these parameters. But for the Vantage View, you do need a uh, any type of computer. I think with the Vantage View, a PC works better. Maybe a, a cheap PC laptop that can be doing nothing but collecting the data and uploading it to places of your choice. And typically that would be someplace like Weather Underground, or you sign up to be one of the Mattis observers that uploads your personal weather station, PWSs, up to the internet for the whole world to see and assimilate. In fact, our weather computers at Fox 8 can assimilate virtually every single Mattis weather station or PWS, personal weather station, across not only Northeast Ohio, but across the whole country. So it's very, very helpful from a television meteorologist perspective that if you upload your weather data via a, a PC laptop, maybe a cheap one that you can get online that would do nothing but process the weather data and upload it, that would be one way to do it. Uh, another reason I like the Vantage View 2 is the fact that its sample rate is around three seconds. In other words, every three seconds, it goes to your device out in the field, collects all of the data, all of the parameters, temperature, dew point, wind, wind direction, barometer, and sends it to your unit. And you get an update right on your display. And one more advantage of the Vantage View 2 Pro is the fact that it is not only totally wireless, but you can also power both the instrument cluster, the actual part that receives all of the weather data out in the field, and your display using nothing but a couple of C batteries and uh, the other unit out in the field uses the lithium one, two, three batteries. Those last a good long time, typically anywhere from 12 to 18 months for the display. 
dependent on how often you use the backlight, which doesn't stay on on battery. You also have the option of keeping it plugged in. There's a little plug in the side, and if you're near an outlet, you can do that. So that way you don't need the battery power, although it's good to have batteries in there when the power goes out so that your unit will still be recording weather. All right, that's the Vantage View Pro 2. I have one more recommendation to make, and that is the Ambient Weather WS2000 or the WS2000. 5,000. Both are very, very good. One is a little bit better in terms of how it collects the data. But what I like about the ambient weather system is the display. Now, the display is not battery operated. You have to keep it near a uh, some kind of outlet. However, it's very colorful and it's extremely functional. Let me first tell you what I have. I have the Ambient Weather WS5000. The reason I went with that is uh, because of the extreme sensitivity of the way it measures wind speed and wind direction. There are no moving parts to this particular unit. It uses state-of-the-art ultrasonic technology. It sends a little ultrasonic signal in a short pod and the wind will actually move that ultrasonic signal around so that the receptors know just exactly how much wind and from what direction this uh, ultrasonic beam is getting forced. It is extremely fast, as you would anticipate, because if you have a standard anemometer, and that is the three-cup system that spins, it looks like a little whirly bird. those are good. But if you have a sudden gust of, say, 20 miles an hour in a very short interval, it's going to be a little difficult for the three-cup anemometer to spin up quickly enough to actually detect 20 miles an hour. In fact, it won't. It'll be close, maybe something on the order of 15, 16, 17 miles an hour, maybe 18 if the cups are in a position to get that gust just right. But with the WS-5000, because there are no moving parts and it uses sound waves to detect wind and wind changes, wind speed, etc., because it's literally instantaneous, it will receive a 20-mile-an-hour wind gust, even if it's very, very, very short interval, it'll record it. One more thing about the ambient weather system, and they have a new one out, by the way, called the WS-6000. It's kind of a revolutionary upgrade. I like the ultrasonic one. The WS-6000 doesn't have an ultrasonic one. Uh, So you have to determine just exactly what it is you're interested in doing. But one of the things that I absolutely love about the ambient weather system is the fact that the display, wherever it sits, actually connects to your home Wi-Fi and uploads your data to the ambient weather system. If you want to check out the maps that plot all of the ambient weather systems across America and across the globe, for that matter, go to ambientweather.net. I'll provide some links on weatherjazz.com episode 40 so you can have a look for yourself. 
but there is no need for a computer. I don't need a computer. I don't need a PC, dedicated PC to send the weather data to the web for the whole world to see. Not only that, but using the dashboard, if you explore the dashboard, you can literally graph all of the parameters that your weather instrument package is receiving, and you can see it graphically displayed on the internet, and you don't have to do a thing. Just plug it in, and of course, you have to set it up so that it sends the data through Wi-Fi to the ambient weather system, and then you'll automatically get it plotted. You have to tell the whole system, for instance, where the lat lawn is so that it knows where to plot it, that kind of thing. But that's pretty, pretty cut and dry. Uh, and it would take less than a day to get the whole thing set up. When I was here back in July of 2022, um, I had a few days and was nursing a summer head cold. And I thought, let me put this thing together took me less than a day. It was a day uh, from about noon to, and by 4 or 5 p.m., it was transmitting data to the internet. Very cool system. I love it for that reason and the fact that from anywhere, I can check what's going on in my backyard and anybody else's for that matter. For instance, I sent one to my brother. He has a WS2000 and he set it up and it's fun to see what's going on in the backyard that we grew up in southern New England. And we're all getting interconnected, and it's a, it's a great way to do that. Now, obviously, there are advantages and disadvantages to both. You have to figure out what it is you're trying to do. But I can recommend highly both of those, the Vantage View Pro and the ambient weather system, either the WS2000 or the WS5000. I hope that makes a lot of sense, and I hope that that has given you maybe a little fuel for those that want to up their game in terms of weather instrumentation at home. It's not like it used to be. When I grew up, uh, you essentially had rain gauges and thermometers that you had to actually go into the backyard to read and log it on paper. And if you were a weather watcher for a TV station, you had to call in and sometimes it was a toll charge. Every once in a while, the TV station had a toll-free number that weather watchers could call in. That was always helpful. But it was a different game back in the 1970s. It was a lot of fun back then for me. But uh, just imagine nowadays growing up, if you had that passion for weather, you've got a lot of tools at your fingertips that nobody would have even dreamed about even 20 years ago. And this technology is constantly evolving. So I can imagine that maybe even five or 10 years from now, I would recommend something else down the line that is even better than what we're seeing here today. But what we have today, very, very good. I will post some of the links via weatherjazz.com, episode number 40. And if you're interested in looking up some of these weather instrument clusters for your home, uh, hopefully that will be a good resource for you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope it helps. And John, good luck. Let us know if you do anything different with your weather station. Maybe you'll be upgrading to one of these 
And if you do, I would love to hear about your experience. Let me know. Send me an email, weatherjazz at yahoo.com. Or like John did, call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That's 234-525-5888. Well, we've got another big blue marble series coming around for Wednesday. We'll see where we end up. Last week, we hit the bayous, the bayous of Louisiana. This week, hmm, I've got a couple of places that are on my plate. I'll choose one, and we'll catch you right here on Weather Jazz on Wednesday. Weather and science across the globe.